0: Hey, everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Brass and Unity podcast. And this episode of the Brass and Unity podcast is brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting, Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to an unarmed forces by providing you with military inspired quality footwear for men and women. Be sure to enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast and in support of women in the developing countries. Head over to combatflipflops.com and become part of their unarmed forces today. And by Jackson Rowe, Vancouver-designed Jackson Rowe clothing caters to a relaxed, bohemian lifestyle. Large doses of love go into every piece, featuring comfortable favorites like sweaters, dresses, play suits, and even stuff for men and children. Made up of natural tones and a flowy West Coast vibe, Jackson Rowe uses only the highest quality materials to ensure you stay comfortable and looking great. Be sure to use the code UNITY at jacksonrow.ca and get yours today. And by Mala Candles, inspired by everyday surroundings, nature, travel, and a minimalist aesthetic, Mala Candles are made from hand-poured soy, lead-free cotton wicks, and essential oils. Mala also plants a tree for every single candle sold, while investing in as many sustainable materials as possible. And we around here at B&U, we use these in the office, at home, and they smell incredible. Be sure to use the code UNITY and grab yours today at malathebrand.ca. And by PAX, the best loose leaf and extract vaporizers on the planet. The small, discreet size isn't much bigger than a lipstick, and I would know. Combined with premium materials, app control, multiple heat settings, and much, much more, make the PAX experience the purest and simplest available. Get the iPhone of vaporizers today at PAX.com. That's P-A-X.com. And enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support our podcast. And by Heads Up Guides, Heads Up Guides is a resource providing men with information and practical tips on how to manage and prevent depression. This is a dedicated online tool devoted to helping men get the help that they need. Find someone to talk to and navigate difficult times. For more information, head over to headsupguys.org. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Brass and Unity podcast. I had the opportunity to speak with a southern friend of mine named Jake Phillips, who comes from the clan of Phillips, and they are one of the greatest families I've ever got the opportunity to meet and chat with. Jake himself is a voiceover actor. And U.S. Uh, veteran who had served and found his way into voice acting and acting uh, after the military. He's been able to create his career now out of the just resiliency and willingness to better himself and want more for himself you know by watching youtube videos and growing from there into his career that he now has um if you have never heard of jake phillips you were doing yourself and your ears a disservice please take a listen to our episode this week enjoy Hey everyone, welcome back to the Brass and Unity podcast. I'm Kelsey Sharon, your host, and today I have a Yankee with me. I have a full-blown American-blooded Yankee, and his name is Jake Phillips, and he is part of our community in the veteran world, as well as he is also in so many more incredible things, including voice acting, and that is I have so many questions to even begin having this conversation with you. So please, everyone, welcome Jake Phillips. Hello. Hey. Hey, friend. How's, How's it going?
1: Been? Good. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you for gracing us with your American flag. Yeah. I know. It's it's, it's exciting. I see. Oh,
1: yeah, uh, that's actually outside the door of my, that wasn't intentional. That was just, I'm just patriotic. It just sort of pops up everywhere. You know I am. It
0: feels I... right. It feels right.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I do like it. I got flags everywhere.
0: I love that. You, I, love, I love having conversations with my, my brothers and sisters to the South because there is something about Americans that cannot be described unless you visually like, see it and actually hear it for the first time. Okay. It's a good thing, but you yeah. guys have um, a real strong identity.
1: Yeah, I think so. Well, some some of us do.
0: The southern side does.
1: The southern side does, which is funny when you introduced me as a Yankee uh, on the, going back to the American Civil War, a Yankee that was who fought, you know, on the Union side. Uh, Now, obviously, I'm speaking in historic terms here. You know, some people say, well, he must not like black people he's from the South. That's ridiculous. That's not true at all. No, not at all. um, People that when I was in the army, a lot of times when a a uh, African American soldier would hear, "Oh, the new lieutenant, he's from uh, Mississippi," you could just you could see him tighten up. And I was just like, "You watch too much TV, man. Just get to know me. We'll be all right."
0: Yeah, well, that well, that's what happens. I find is, uh, it's funny that you brought that up in the way you did because I've experienced it um <clears throat> in in the similar way, um uh, both ways. So what I mean is, my parents are long haul truck drivers. So I used to go with mom and dad in the truck for two, three weeks at a time while they took loads down to Texas and over to Florida and up to California. So I I don't say I was raised in the truck. I mean I was in it a, a good amount, but it was part of like my school would let me go kind of thing. My dad wasn't creeping, kidnap me or anything, but like I would go a lot. And um it was really fun because I got to see a totally different side of the United States. When you're younger, you watch TV, you see perspectives, but you don't often, they don't match up in real life. And so if you never got the opportunity to travel there, you'll never get to really know what's true and what's not. So your perception is what it is until you actually experience it. So I can, I can appreciate that though.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. The South is, the South is um, an interesting place for a Canadian to go when you have never been anywhere else in the United States.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: Have you been to Canada?
1: One, I've been to Canada, one time I flew into Gander, Newfoundland and just hung out there for just a little bit. I was on my way to Iraq, so it was gorgeous, but I didn't get to hang out, unfortunately.
0: So that is so far, barely on the map of Canada. (laughs) It's like they are their own. They are such a cool type of people out there that are so different than the rest of Canada. Like they are so Irish and in their ways, and really? yeah, they they're fantastic human beings. Like they're like the sw- like the nicest of all of us, and so
1: interesting. Didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're super, super nice. And then it kind of it gets they stay really nice until you get about Quebec, and then you kind of get this weird. They want to separate, but they only ever get about 48% of the votes to separate from Canada so it's like it's kind of like that um like that that kid you know you're like ah oh, he has to be in my class he like there's no way we can get rid of him but he really doesn't want to be there and he makes it known to everybody that he hates being in that class and so <clears throat> you get this kind of view that you're like okay we know you don't want to be here we'll just stay in your and that's where i was posted so it gets kind of cranky and then Ontario gets a little well there's Toronto you get that little you know higher fashion New Yorky kind of feel a lot of music
1: so so why is Quebec like that is it because of all the French people or was yeah.
0: it yeah no it's all the French people like it's okay definitely okay. the French people okay okay there's a um, have you ever worked with the French military like the Canadian French military
1: um no 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 not Canadian French Mm-mm.
0: you work with France.
1: I've worked with ex I've worked with guys um, from the uh, Foreign Legion but they weren't really French, you know what I mean?
0: No, that's a different, yeah, that's that's yeah. But you know Quebec French is interesting because if you were to ask somebody from France about Quebec French, they would say it's not real French. Okay. It's it's got a lot of slang to it. So like if I were to say like like je m'appelle like je m'appelle Kelsey It's very like, that's like, hi, I'm Kelsey. How are you? That's like, but then if you were to say in Quebec, it's like, um, say, Kelsey, ça va? What's
2: up? (laughs) What's
0: going on? It's interesting. You go over, if you speak, uh, Quebec French, you go over to France. They'll just like, they won't, they won't acknowledge your existence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, they can understand you fine. They just think they're better than you.
0: No, sometimes the French is so, so different. Like, so, for example, Quebec is right beside New Brunswick. And there is a massive uh, artillery base out there where I was posted. And um, in New Brunswick, they also have French people. But it's different French. It's Acadian French. So... It is very, uh, like, rugged, like very, very, like, very rough French, like, uh, kind of picture. Um, what's a good example, Josh? Do you know Acadian French? Like, from where? Like, New Brunswick. Ooh, I don't know if I've ever heard of that. No. Okay, I'm trying to think, but anyway, I'll give you the best example. I'm not a voice actor, and I feel like I can't even believe I'm doing this in front of somebody who can actually do like voice impressions and shit. And I'm like, Kels, rate it in. Um, so he's, I had a, a bombardier chef, so master bombardier, and um, he was my staff, and he was about two fifty six two. Just big garlic, this, but he took like this. The mother would be said he sounded muscle like this, and so he'd be like. And I'm like, I can't fucking understand you. Can you open your mouth? And he just would yell at me incessantly. And I I never understood him. Sweetest, like human teddy bear, greatest guy, but just so, like, just rough. And I can't even, ugh, I'll stop. It was bad. It
1: was bad. Well, if you couldn't understand him, I mean, shoot. Didn't well, really matter what he says.
0: Well, exactly. And so that was it, right? It's like, you can yell at me until you're blue in the face. Eventually, you're going to have to say something I, I understand. Yeah. yeah. It's fair enough. Okay. I need to, I have, can I ask it 962 questions now? Go ahead. Okay. First off, I'm, apologies for booking you on election day. You must be.
1: Third. Oh, I, I, uh, I voted this morning.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm good.
0: How does that work in the States? Are you got, do you guys talk about who you vote for? <clears throat>
1: I mean, some people do, some people don't. It's I just, usually don't. I've found that that people uh, they'll make assumptions about you and your character based on what, an inaccurate or inaccurate view of the the guy or gal they're voting for. Fair enough. And, and I feel like that um, friendships that I have are more valuable than my political views, so I usually just don't even talk about it.
0: I think that's why I like I like you and your family so much. It's because I. There's something about the way you guys on and 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 not to like talk about your family but like we you know we talked to your brother we we know Tim and all of them you guys are all like he's not actual blood but he feels like he might as well be one of your brothers <laughs> um <clears throat> and uh like your wife and I just I'm I, I'm obsessed with the way that you guys are as as a, as a family and as a unit and just how you're so all integrated but it just is nothing but you, the way you guys portray your love <clears throat> get it together the way I, up. I, I, well, I just you guys are so sweet i can't help it um no you guys just the way you portray your life and the way you uh you just seem to radiate only a positive message and you never you never say or even if you have an opinion it's always like nothing but a constructive way it's put out into the public and i think that's shows your um that shows your character on its own no matter who you vote for i think that shows you're the type of person who cares more like you said about relationships over politics because at the end of the day the, that's what's left over is the family
1: <clears throat> exactly and i've i know people that i love them i love their friendship and they might be voting for someone else than i am yeah But when that president is gone or the governor is gone, I still would like that friendship because we're still going to be in the same area, most likely long after the president's changed out.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's the goal. You want (laughs) to, you want long, I don't need four year relationships and then we'll revamp and we'll discuss. No.
1: Yeah. That's only for politicians. We don't need that with our friendships.
0: No, exactly. So I will say I had, um, in Canada, we don't, uh, well, I'm speaking for myself and a lot of people are going to be like that's not true at all but like I don't really I know more about your politics than I know about mine <clears throat> and I think that's because our prime minister is a disaster and uh, I take no I take no uh, no happiness in saying that he's my prime minister right now because he's just not great um, <clears throat> but What I do respect is that uh, difference of opinion. And so when it comes to politics up here, I'm always one of the first to be like, I'll talk about it openly because I'm I'm very, I'm an open book in that sense. And I think at the end of the day, if somebody knows you the way they should know you and your character, I'd like to think that they don't, you know, base their friendship off of some of my beliefs because frankly... (laughs) if you met if you met me when i got home from afghanistan to now you, i mean i'm a, i'm surprised i have the friendships i have and the family i have left i'm telling you
1: without destroying just burning everything down
0: <laughs> like fortunate. i could not have set fire to more things in my uh, opinions <laughs> and making them incredibly vocalized <laughs> i was a horrible horrible human but
1: you find out who your friends are, you know?
0: Well, you do. And, you and shockingly enough, most of them stuck around and I seem to attract some new ones. So it's not that they're even like-minded. It's just, they're like, they'll put up with crazy.
1: And I don't, I am not at all like, <clears throat> you know, when someone is political, that's fine with me. They can be political all they want. That really does not bother me. Mm-hmm. I've just found for me personally.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I respect that though.
1: Yeah, it's like, I'm I'm more, <clears throat> I can relate to people better Because half the time, yeah, I'm generally more conservative. Okay. Uh, And then, but I'm in the arts, which is far left liberal.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, couldn't be more far left.
1: Not liberal, but like, like communist liberal in in many chances. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind saying I hate communism.
0: Well, no, I don't Um, think anybody minds you saying that you hate communism. (laughs) It's kind of been always (laughs) one thing we avoid.
1: But like... uh, in my line of work, I just have—I have to tread carefully, anyway. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because so, for one thing, I have to kind of say, I have to walk on eggshells, yeah. generally. But then I—it's generally just in my private life. I'm kind of like, eh, whoever you voted for, you know. Yeah. I'm—I'll still be your friend. It
2: don't matter.
0: You, yeah, bro. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. Well, especially because when you're when you're—that's a great segue into. uh, I want to talk to you a lot about your voice acting because when Tim first told me about you, um, he was like, yeah, like I have so many vets you need to talk to. I have so many vets that do friends that do so many different types of things that you wouldn't have necessarily thought a veteran would do after getting out or serving and getting hurt or any, you know, other reasons they're out. And um, what I loved about that was he was like, you got it. Okay. Got to talk to this guy. He does voice acting." And I said, Okay, tell me more. And he goes, no, no, no you're going to have to talk to him. You're going to you're gonna have to ask him. So I've been waiting to understand. Number one, you joined the military. You got out. What made that jump for you?
1: Well, the best piece of advice that was in, interestingly, as far as uh, voice coaching, was from my first platoon sergeant. <laughs> Didn't even know it. I'm from right. the deep south, had a pretty stiff accent. Now, some people might think I have a big you know uh, like a heavy accent no not, <clears throat> no. not, not from where i came from <clears throat> no this is very light compared to what it used to be so when i got out to i was in kansas which is you know heartland usa
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of the people are uh, i mean of course they come in from all over but you know the the town and stuff that's good american english that's like kind of the pristine almost no accent to it yeah. even the locals they sound like news anchors
3: yeah.
1: And, uh, right, right. A girl at the gas station, I, I roll into town, pay for my gas. And she was like, you know, down here, it, it'll be some hillbilly is working the counter Yeah, there. I mean, it's some old teenage girl. And she's like, hi, thanks for coming. You know, hope you come back soon. <laughs> I was like, well, right. you, you pronounce every syllable of that. That's amazing. And, um,
0: You're like you articulate so well,
1: right. And, and everyone's like that. So, uh, when I got to my unit, I was there a few weeks and my platoon sergeant said, you need to learn to speak English because none of us can understand you. <laughs> that? How
0: old were you then? 24, 23. Okay. So like you
1: were
0: pretty set in your ways there.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I, I actually started working on, you know, speaking the King's English, so to speak, in a, you know, in American style, but at least enunciating. Yeah. And um, that actually helped because when I started years later when I started uh actually acting I didn't have to relearn all my diction I was kind of already there oh, that works. and um so yeah I think I I went to uh, also with that same platoon sergeant um he he had some tickets to Romeo and Juliet or something and his wife was out of town and I was I was single at the time He's like, "All right, I don't want to be weird, but uh you want to want to go to Romeo and Juliet cuz he like, wasn't this a party." You
0: could not get more uncomfortable for everyone in the situation, but yes, I want to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cuz it was like everybody, you know, in my unit, they're five o'clock on a Friday and sometimes every other night they're down to, you know, Junction City at the strip club. Oh, yeah. That's, that's uh that's never been me. And uh so i just kind of you know, go do my own thing. Well, he says, Hey, he was the same way, you know, he was married, he wasn't gonna go and whatever. Hey, wanna go to uh wait for it, Romeo and Juliet on a mandate. <laughs> <it. laughs> and I said, Why not? And we went, we had a great time. And I fell in love with the performing arts for the first time in my life. It was kind of like this, this is so cool. These people have memorized all these lines and they're the timing they've practiced this this is amazing and that was one of the first times that i ever remember um i mean you watch a movie or something but it's so highly edited you kind of feel like it's really happening whereas in a play there they are you know it's not really happening you you can see everything and yet it's so magical in its own way and i think i started uh that was when the seed was planted of sort of performing, like okay. pretending to be somebody that I wasn't or talking in a way that I don't really talk. And um, so, yeah, that was probably 2008. And then, I mean, years later, I get out of the army. I'm in. Um, what do you call it? Uh, shoot. I think I'm working in a factory. OK, you know, very uncreative uh pursuits. Yeah, not exactly something that's
0: creative uh creative inducing.
1: You, who not at all. Just working inside artificial light, hard floors, very rigid like, oh, that's not the way it's always been done. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Uh
1: not not a place for an artist to flourish. Oh. And um I think what happened was I started recording uh readings cuz I just had my uh our, we had our first girl. She's almost 7 now, so this would have probably been 7 years ago. Um, I started just making recordings for her. God, so she cool. could just so she could have them, and um, yeah. So then it just started, it kind of snowballed from there. I that, can't, even, yeah.
0: That 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 in itself, like um, the the idea that you did it like so selflessly, but for your daughter, just to have you know down the road, if something ever happened, to be able to be able to actually listen to those and um, to look back at that and. I think the only people are that privileged to, that have stuff like that are, are people who are often like actors or, you know, celebrities, they have this, you know, constant overview of their life. That's always on tape. So, you know, if something ever happened, their kid can look back and see X, right. Y, Z, but for you to take the initiative and kind of do that, that's, that's kind of incredible because that will be such a special thing when you're not on this planet anymore for them. That's just incredible. I love exactly. that so much. Oh, I love
2: that. Make,
0: gives you all the feel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the
2: feel. Uh, yeah, that's a,
1: that's exactly cuz I lost my dad uh around that same time about 7 years ago. And I have one recording of him. Oh, we've got some home videos and stuff, but yeah. there was one recording of him reading a passage from the Bible and it was man, that's a valuable recording to me. Yeah, I thought what if what if bloody. I could have all kind of stuff, stories and you know just have a lot
0: Well, I I respect that because you you learned from something instead of, you know, allowing the same situation to happen, you took an action and you move forward with it in order to make that, you know, your children's lives better down the road or even your wife and things like that, right? Because unfortunately, um, in our community, there's a lot of loss when people come home and, I think it does nothing but a disservice to the families that are attached to that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad. So it's always, it's always great to hear people like trying to preserve their stories and their, their lives so that others can hopefully learn from them too. Right.
2: Yep. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I think that's why I like what Tim's doing so much too, because it's, it's doing all that preservation work that n- nobody has been willing to take the time to do.
1: He is doing the Lord's work, as we say down south. That is, he's doing some one. good stuff. Yeah,
0: he. I have, you know, in the time frame that I that I got to know him, he he was religious, but it almost took like a after after I met him, and then he started really. I don't know if he was started hanging around you guys more or Jesse or what it was, but he seems to really be a lot more at peace, and I just love that because I think that's a testament to the way you guys. You guys are, and it rubs off on him. And so I'm happy to, I'm super happy to see that. How did you guys all become friends?
1: My brother, Jesse, is a filmmaker and he worked on a uh, documentary about a Vietnam veteran that was showed at a Sundance film festival. At the same time, uh, Tim had a photographic essay that was showing at the same event. Sundance so they were kind of thrown together I went up there just tagging along with Jesse
2: yeah
1: you know carry his bags do what I could to support him (laughs) and then uh and it's funny because when Jesse and Tim first met they hated each other for like for for maybe an hour oh yeah oh you get two little prima donna artists in a room
0: oh I need to see this I can't wait for COVID to be over
1: oh it's um yeah you you get a couple of uh
0: <laughs> no let it out of, let it little, out
1: little alpha males okay you get alpha which they're both alpha males they're also highly no i w- i will grant it to you you would not know that by looking at tim or hearing him talk or hearing him laugh but <laughs> if you talk to him enough you'll find out there's an alpha down there He's an alpha, like an alpha male unicorn, maybe, but he's an alpha, you know, in his own strange way. What's that?
0: He's going to kill you for calling him a unicorn.
1: Well, I call him that to his face. so.
0: Oh, I appreciate that so much. He'll be okay. There'll be, those two seem like, they seem like two peas in a pod. They just, they seem like peas in a pod.
1: Right. And peas in a pod don't get along a lot of the time until at least they rub off the rough edges. (laughs)
0: oh my god you got an answer for everything you and your southern just you got like perfect analogies
1: the uh and for anyone that doesn't know tim or jesse Jesse's my younger brother he's an amazing artist and he's a uh, a former u.s marine Mm -hmm. uh tim also an amazing artist um a army veteran so so they're, you know, two alpha males, but also very artistic and very emotional. Like both of these guys cried during, you know, up. And, they, you know, I think I, everybody did an up, but, you know, they'll cry in cartoons and up. then you get them together and get them to arguing about something. And there is some serious tension.
0: I can't I would love to see those two like I wouldn't want them to hurt each other but I would just love to see one of them get to a point and then see the other just like have you did you ever see that movie Ford versus Ferrari Mm mm-hmm Oh my gosh, great movie. And they, one of them, they're, they're like best of friends, but they're sitting there and next thing you know, they're just arguing over something and one just tackles the other right to the ground. And it's so like, it was so stereotypical American. They had like the old Coke bottles in their hands, like their shirts tucked in. And like one's just like, no, you don't, no, you don't. And he just takes them out. And I just can picture that happening. I feel like that would be, make a really great film.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's probably happened before. I've not seen it personally, but it would probably happen if it hasn't. Just, that's how they- they deal she, with um children. what do you call it yeah they're they're a drama that they manufacture there's <laughs> there's no real drama like real drama is where we're going to buy groceries for the kids where we're going to buy diapers this month
2: yeah. if
1: there's no real drama then you have to manufacture you got to make something up uh-huh. get ticked off and then fight somebody
0: you just to fight. We're just fighting people. Now we are now fighting yeah. people just need to make the drama to fight people. It happens. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Can, so how did you, how did you go? So you went from going in the military, to doing this and what was it? Did you go to school? Like, so did you just start recording? You went to school after you just, how did you end up getting these gigs and doing this stuff?
1: I got on YouTube. I watched everything on YouTube that there was to watch about voice acting, good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. And I gravitate towards people that say, oh, you can do it. You know what I mean? I like that. So you can, uh, if anyone that's like interested in that kind of thing, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube, everything from, you know, if you don't have a $1,500 mic, then don't even waste your time.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be like
1: that. And it's very pretentious. You know what I mean? They're probably from Quebec. You know, they're just like...
2: (laughs) Yes, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: yeah. don't, I don't, that's based on your description. I don't I'm have any personal. There <laughs> so, um, but it's kind of like, oh, you know, don't even worry about it. I like people that say, uh, no, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. And yeah. here's how you could, here's some things you could work on. That, mm-hmm. That's what I like. That's how I attack problems. If I decide I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And you can't talk me out of it. So what's the best way? That's the people I like talking to.
0: So you're not stubborn, like at all.
1: Well, I think stubbornness is one of the, the most, um, the most, it's the awfulest and the most wonderful quality a person can have, depending on how it's directed.
0: And how it's fostered, because it can go one way or the other if it's yeah. taken and put into the right, right direction.
1: Yeah, if you're, if you're standing up for the right thing, stubbornness is the best thing in the world. And yeah. then when you're, when you're just hard to get along with, like, no, I want to eat at whatever restaurant and where I'm not compromising with anybody, then you're just yeah. a prick, you know, okay. now you're gonna no prick.
0: none of us want to deal with it.
1: Yeah. No right. one wants to deal with that.
0: Now you're just but- being Tim. Nobody wants to deal with that. <laughs> right. Stop, right. You can start saying to people, stopping a Tim, and then it'll all make sense.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Everybody, they need to go back. If someone's like, okay, who's Tim, they keep saying Tim. Go
2: back,
1: yeah. Go back and listen to Tim, and you'll you'll understand. understand. Um, But yeah, so I just decided, I think I'm going to make money at this someday, and so I just started working, and it was several years before I started making money. It wasn't overnight, but it was long, continuous, directed effort, and then I started making money, and now I make a living. So
0: that's so crazy because if you go from like you know it's. To, there's literally so many people that have gone from YouTube, um, to learning things from YouTube. And it's funny that you say that, cause I did not expect that. Um, I just picture, I don't know what I picture. I picture you getting like a GI bill and like going to some school, some art school. And I just picture you like just being the Southern guy in the class and just Everybody else wants to be as good at it as you, but they can't, like no matter what they do, they can't sound like you. I don't picture you picking it up from YouTube. And that's that's a testament to showing obviously that when you say you wanna do something, you're definitely gonna do it, but it's also a testament to showing your resiliency and your ability to find um, the right tools to do it no matter what. no matter what's put in your way to do it. I think that's incredible to acknowledge because we want more people like that in this world people that are going to take responsibility and take, take initiative and move forward and, and, you know, live life with a, with a purpose. And rather than just this, you know, looking down at our phones every five seconds and living life um, second by second based on likes and follows. And I think that's really important to acknowledge when you got your first job, how did that happen?
1: I think it was my, probably my first paying job was for someone that had done some kind of a short film and they needed a like a piece done for something in the movie,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and they're like, "Hey, they'll give you a hundred bucks if you do this thing." And I was like, "Whoa, that's, that's a lot of money!" Just talk uh, for yeah, just talk. It was basically a it was in their pr- uh, promotion, but they were making a um, a commercial for this fake product in the movie. You know what I mean? Well, so it was it was kind of like marketing for the movie, but it it was like an actual commercial, you might say even though it was a fake product yeah I did that and I was like that was that was really fun and I kind of
2: (laughs) shockingly fun
1: I uh I had I had imitated kind of Tom Selleck I think he's got a great uh kind of American voice yeah so I thought well this uh it was kind of agricultural in nature so I thought that would Tom Selleck agriculture I think we could make this work and I had no style of my own so I did just like imitate him which wow. I think which I think you have to do I think you just find somebody you like or a few people you like and start copying them shamelessly until you develop your own style and I mean don't obviously say that's hey Tom, Tom Selleck does it like this so that's how I'm going to do it it's not like you are passing it off as your own you know um no so but yeah, I, I know
0: what you're saying though you have to imitate you almost have to learn from the greats it's like when you I was just watching this not to sidetrack I was just watching this um this show with my husband called, uh, about the comedy store mm-hmm. in uh, LA and it just came out. And what, what I heard, like the most of all of them saying, comedians were saying is like, it's an art obviously. And then within that art, you almost have to, you have to watch, you have to learn, you have to imitate in order for you to find your own self and your own style within that, within that art form. And it, you know that doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. You're not claiming to be that person. You're learning the technique and the behavior of how somebody like that, who is successful, does it in order for you to be able to create your own chops for it. You know? Exactly. Yeah, I I totally get that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because yeah. like stand up comedy, that's a whole oh. another thing, and that goes so far beyond just writing jokes.
0: That's oh, yeah.
1: One one tiny step in being a successful stand up. Yeah. Uh, comedian i mean you have to you know you gotta memorize stuff you gotta i mean that's oh i cannot imagine that joe that's i i get yeah. hives just thinking about being you
0: get something. anxious like that
1: oh I, I would be terrible at that really be, yeah
0: i can't picture that because i think you could, i think i think you would be a lot uh, a lot better at it than you think i, and I the reason mm-hmm. i think is because you're able to act not just have like different voices you can legitimately act and i think people who do these, um, these things where we put ourselves out in the public, there is a portion or a part of ourselves that is not, you know, I'm complete. I think I'm completely myself. I think the only thing that changes from episode to episode in the, in the work that I do in the public is I either swear less or I am totally full on old military me, which was very, very, very sweary in multiple languages, <laughs> I have no shame in that. Like I, like, I know a lot of places, they don't appreciate that women swearing. And so I know where to, to where my boundaries are, but I also know who I am and I'm kind of not going to fully change that. And so there's just a point where it's like, you can either fucking like it or you can not listen to me. So I think there's a part of us that is a persona on some level, but I think it's just a matter of turning it up or down depending on, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a whole thing. So when, okay. So you did this job and then did you, did you get an agent? Did you just put yourself out online? Like I'm for hire.
1: No. I mean, this was, I did some, I did that. And then, uh, I mean, I can't remember what the next one was. I mean, it was slow. I I got another one for like an explainer video on YouTube for 20 bucks, you know, something, something cheap. <clears throat> And I did that, and they really liked it. And one thing that I always try to do is I want to delight the customer.
2: Yeah. So if someone's
1: paying me $100, I want them to feel like they got a deal.
0: Okay, that okay. was
1: like the best 100 bucks they spent and be the best customer service, be so polite. If, they, if there was something that, like, I don't know, I feel like we should have inflected up at the end instead of down. Can hmm. how much more would that charge? Mm-hmm. You know, what would you charge me? You know, I'll say, I'll, I'll send it to you. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we'll don't worry it about right. it. Got you. you know, and then all of a sudden they see you as a solution to their problem and they, you're creative, you're thinking along with them. And then you, you really are having invested interest in like making their project look good.
0: You are and literally speaking. I'm pointing at both of my mm-hmm. camera and audio guys here because. You, you sound like them like, Hey, Coleman, can you do that? Yeah. Like no problem. I'll send it to you. Like, don't worry about it. Like no, no big deal. Like I got it. You, you, you're right though. That works. That makes you important in somebody's life. I can't do any of this without these guys. And it's because they made it accessible to me instead of being like, I'm and like, listen, I'll be honest with you right now. There's a pretty big deal in the room. (laughs) Listen, listen let me talk about it for a second okay Shh. there's a pretty big deal in the room I won't name names but it's kind of a big deal in modeling world and like kind of a big deal and soon to be like the acting world and I'm like I'm just saying like he wants to be more behind the camera and I think he's a psychotic nut for saying that because he (laughs) could literally be making millions of dollars just by looking at the camera like this and so (laughs)
2: he's blushing he's
0: blushing so hard he's hiding behind the camera like they're so glad they're not on and like I won't ever name drop him but I'm telling you right now like there are just some people that underrate themselves and like my guys Coleman and Coleman's super partner i think coleman's the superman but i think i think he's just like the super face (laughs) do you know what i mean you're like i'm gonna yeah like listen like jake they're gonna (laughs) jump hey you modeled for me too babe don't you (laughs) even we don't discriminate around here okay listen okay so no what all i'm saying is one day when you meet these guys you'll be like i get it i get it
1: yeah we're gonna be we're gonna be boys, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. Trust me, you're gonna be boys. You're gonna love these two. They're like the coolest, coolest people ever. The only difference is, is like none of us are as beautiful as them. So <laughs> <laughs> we just all have to live in their shadow of beauty. My God, they get like they get take pictures for a living. Somebody takes a picture of their face and is like, <sighs> "I'm gonna sell product with that." Face. <laughs> like, yeah. Can you imagine having a face like that?
1: I've tried. I couldn't, couldn't no I can't imagine
0: I don't have a face like that I just wish I had a face like that it's like when you like your voice acting like I'm so damn jealous at your abilities
1: yes. no I've I don't see here's the thing between me and a, a, a beautiful model which I don't I can't even see him so I don't you might be pulling my leg
0: oh no trust right now <laughs> I will send you a photo after this
1: let's tell him to come over there
0: I don't know if he wants his face. No. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. But but here's the the difference between him and me. As far as that goes, he's got a great face.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, I mean, I suppose you could, you know, if you had terrible acne or something, then that would mess with it. But yeah, you've got a great face and you, there's nothing you can do about that beyond staying at a healthy weight and washing your face. Probably.
0: Okay wash
1: your face bro a a voice actor
0: uh-huh
1: you do not need like a voice you just need to be a hard worker
0: Ooh, oh i like oh
1: i guarantee you if i call you know like oh hey how you doing you probably wouldn't even notice my voice no the only reason you'd the only reason people do is because they hear I'm a voice actor and then like, oh, he's got a nice voice. Everybody's got a nice voice. That's what Every, I hear. guarantee, unless, unless you're like really talking through your nose or something, everybody has a me nice mean, voice. Like... Right. <laughs> exactly. Talk from can the diaphragm. You
2: hear me now. Like... Yeah. <laughs> but like,
1: I think <laughs> like everybody I has a good voice that <laughs> it would fit with some yeah, commercial.
0: Uh, yeah. Got you there's always a place for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great message too. Like that's a great message. Like you can, it's really comes down to what you're willing to put, put the time into.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of development that goes into it on your, you know, your vocal cords and learning how to inflect, uh, you know, and pause dramatically and all that kind of stuff. But that, that comes with practice. And for someone that it was like, I don't know, I, I wish that I could do it. I just don't have a nice voice. I would say, Oh crap, yeah you do. Just start work. Just do it.
0: You just you just gotta do it. One foot in front of the other. Yeah. That's the one thing people always tell me, one foot in front of the other. It's all you can do.
1: Cause I used to have a very high, not very high, but
2: <laughs> sort like, of high. Setting myself up here.
1: Well, it was very nasally. Oh kind of talk kind of talk nasally like you know, a little bit like that. And uh-huh. I didn't like it. I didn't like uh and then it got worse if i heard a recording of myself i was like oh that oh it's awful so i didn't even i didn't like my voice at all for years i was probably in college before oh wow yeah i I didn't like my voice and looking back i wasn't i was being lazy okay sorry to fly in here uh southerners are uh, southern americans southeastern americans are have a well-earned reputation for being lazy there's some there's some hard-working people down here but it's very a well-earned reputation for being lazy physically lazy and then that shows up
0: After putting it like i you're I, what do you want me to say to that
1: well i mean i mean if you've been down here you've you know what i'm talking about yeah
0: it's true it's painful sorry I can't help it.
1: but it it literally shows up in our speech
2: oh my god you know what god. i mean it,
1: if if words had feet they would be dragging them you know what i mean
0: yes like, yeah Because oh, how
2: y'all
1: doing what are y'all doing over there
0: like,
1: right it sounds yeah yeah you know, it, it's like, it sounds lazy it, uh yeah anyway so
0: no i have that. a i got a i got a ton i mean i I worked with the 101st out of Fa- when I was in Fall Bramrod, um, and we were the Gunners for them. And a lot of those guys, Texas, um, Mississippi, big time Mississippi. Um, who else did we have down there? We had a lot of a lot of um, Mexican California, so a lot of Spanish that threw me because I was with a French unit there, so they assumed we just spoke English. But, like, my whole unit, like, most of them did not. So, like, over the radio chats, you would get this, like, you know, radio chat, like this. And then the guys would go, what? And they go, come on, radio, à And the guys would go, uh, I not understand that. Uh, Come back again. Like, and they were just so confused because they're, like, they're Canadian, they speak English, that's what they speak. But then it was very similar to me where I was, like, these guys are from California and they speak Spanish and I realized quickly how much Spanish is actually in the U S military, like just like around, it's like a second language for you guys fully. That's a trip yeah. That's a trip. That's
1: Def- definitely a cultural melting pot. Um, yeah. In, in the military, which I think is great because I, there, I, there's many, a little racist Southern boy that went to the army and changed their tune when they came out
0: got shit whipped by somebody that they should have been shit whipped by a long time ago and learned that everybody is all the same and that we all can help each other if we all just stop being so judgy
1: well that but also you know when you when you grow up thinking you're better than everybody or you're let's say stereotypical deep south you think you know i'm better than an african-american soldier and then when you're legs hanging off by a thread that guy braves enemy fire to drag you to safety Mm -hmm. you're gonna that'll that'll cure your racism real quick
0: that'll slide, yeah and I think that is what there's more of that needed I will say there was a couple situations um won't get heavily into them there's a couple situations that I was like wow that's not the 1800s whoa didn't see that coming out of somebody's mouth like that and what got me the most was um, I grew up I grew up in um, a family um, back east I'm from back east originally I grew up in a family back east and my family I come from a, a very hard-working family my dad's had seven brothers and sisters they had no running water until my dad was 12 and he was the baby of the seven like lived on a farm like really that whole kind of wholesome type upbringing, um, just minus the religion. And then I had my mom's side, which was Hungarian immigrants that came in when the Soviets invaded after world war two and escaped. Mm. So worked in a shoe factory, you know, just didn't speak English, just grind and grind and grind and, and grew what they grew. And then, so I grew up with this amalgamation of, um, you know, immigration, like, uh, my maiden name is Burns. So it's Scottish. So, my dad's side, right? Um, in Ontario, that's where a lot, I guess, settled. I'm just learning all about this, which is kind of neat. And um, what I found with that is, like, when you when you when you really take a look at your family. It is a cultural melting pot in every way, shape and form, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, because we all come from different parts of the world and we all like from different times and no one can say it's very rarely somebody can say a lineage is perfect. Right. So, you know, um, I know for me, like my grandfather, my papa from Hungary, like wouldn't teach me Hungarian, would not talk about his culture, would not. So there's this weird perception of it for me, not a racist perception, but a perception, nonetheless, that is very odd. And then when you, what I found fascinating is the way the U.S. is raised, there's so, it's so drastically different, okay? So like, if you came into the Canadian military and you had some type of racist or prejudiced belief, it gets passed through, don't get Don't get me wrong. But what you see more of is sexist. You see more like against women because we've had women on the front lines for a long, long time. So there's always like, you guys just got them recently, I think in the past few years, where if you can do the job, you make, you know, that kind of thing. We've had that. So what I found more of wasn't racism until I went overseas was I found more of sexism, uh, being a woman in a man job kind of deal so but like you said you learn really quickly when you're a firefight when the next person you look over is the five foot gunner who's dragging your ass out of somewhere because you're in pieces like you're thankful at that point for that person but sometimes it just takes that um slap in the face into the world because some people just aren't raised properly in my opinion yeah And you can only, uh, you can only fault them for it so much, but it is their responsibility to get their shit together as an adult, in my opinion. Um, But I'm also very opinionated.
1: Well, I think that's a pretty good opinion. I'd agree with that opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, I grew up, like I was saying, so like, um, yeah, that family I grew up in um, my dad's side, I had uh, some of my family, they married into the family and I have black family members and I But like the idea that somebody could ever look at somebody like that for like that just boggles my mind and when I like I said I served there was a lot more of that than I expected to still be existing and I don't know if it was necessarily because of like just we were in a very stressful situation and people just run their mouths they don't you know deal with mental health well like they're just not at their best person at their best state of human being yeah so i try not to hold that against them but it happens and you hear shit that you're like oh didn't know that was still in the world <laughs> so yeah that's a that's a shock to the system but it brings up a good point though like sometimes people just need to be shooken a little like not not small children but like you know like a grown adults that won't get shaken baby when you when you shake them
1: right <laughs> the uh... Exactly. <laughs> you they, they I a good, told you. you They need a good shake. I agree. You need a good shake. In Missouri.
0: Oh, gosh. Here we go.
1: There are signs along I-70, okay?
2: Uh-huh. There's
1: a, you know, it's a main inter- inner uh, state through the, that goes, I don't know, east to west. Uh-huh. There are signs in Missouri that say, do not shake your baby. And it has a little
0: baby up there. Why? why so many why's why does that need to be a thing
1: here's my i don't know hypothesis oh i like it missouri has a lot of meth
0: oh usage more so than a
1: lot oh i i guess that so i think that it's excuse me widespread enough that apparently they need to put billboards up that's uh,
0: troubling to me.
1: No, oh, oh, it, it really is. I've never seen that anywhere else. I mean, we're, I'm from Mississippi. I'm, we're backwoods folks, but you, you don't have to tell no, us. That. No,
0: no, uh, you're not.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I don't need a sign to tell me not to abuse my child. You know what I mean? I think That's if you, nice I think if, uh, I don't know. I just wonder if that even works though. Is someone going to be driving along? I'm like, oh, I, huh, I don't know. Well, they don't give a reason, so it mustn't. I don't know.
0: You know what? But- thing, you know what's funny that you say that too, because you think it's common sense, right? But I can remember now that you say that because I totally, after I had Jack, you well, you don't know, you didn't push it out, you don't get it. But your hormones go insane, and I know you know that because you've had multiple humans, so. Um, I've and, been
1: associated closely with a lady that has said the same thing. So.
0: And you, when the, I remember the doctor going, like we put Jack in, um, we put Jack in his car seat or whatever. And he was, he was a month early. So he was like six pounds. He was just like a squish. And, um, I'm like trying to like put his tiny little things in this. And she goes, um, also, you know. It can be hard. Sometimes they cry and they cry. And I just, we just remind you, whatever you do, put the baby down, don't shake your children. It's not going to make them stop crying. It's actually going to make it worse. And I'm like, okay, hold up. I know I'm straight up out of my like cuckoo clock right now, because I don't know which way is up. And I just pushed a human out of my body with no medication so, but I the one thing I can say that has never questioned my mind is do, do, does this work to shut it up like no you don't shake a kid it just feels like common sense no
2: uh, yeah
1: I mean I, I would be if someone yeah. said that to me I would be at a loss for words as well, well I'm at a loss for words from reading that sign
0: I, w- I but you're okay so that I want to I want to ask about that then so is so that you said a meth problem can you, do you know about that? I don't know much about that down there. I didn't realize that was such a bad thing in that area.
1: Well, in, uh, Missouri, it's worse than some other places. Uh, but yeah, people just, you know how you have moonshiners, like you <laughs> have people make their own alcohol and that was real big in the twenties, especially, uh, down South in Southeastern United States. Um, Probably everywhere during the prohibition prohibi- time. Prohibition time, yeah. but um, but yeah. So there is currently a prohibition on uh, you know, you Ill-
2: water cups uh, now.
1: On, on yeah, illegal. I don't know methamphetamines, I suppose. And so you have people that uh, make them in their trailer bathtub, and I don't know how you do it, but apparently, like this is very. Sure we can uh, Google
2: worth Google.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it would be. I think. <laughs> I've never seen the show breaking bad, but I think, I I think that
0: you need to go back and you need to watch that.
1: I think if I had watched it, I would have a better understanding of why you would put a sign on the road that says, don't shake your baby.
0: I think you would have a better understanding, but I also think you are missing out in an, on an incredible cinematic experience that. Is breaking bad, and if you are an arts guy and you appreciate that type of you will appreciate that series.
1: I've heard that, I have heard that. Like Brian I, Cranston's character arc is just stuff of legend. I've heard, uh,
0: the, yeah, yeah. All the guys' guys are just it is it, yeah, yeah. Him that and um, Ozark. Ozark.
2: Have
0: you?
1: Oh, is that with uh, Jason Bateman? Uh huh. One of my friends has been in that in a couple episodes of that.
0: Oh my Perhaps. God, how do I become friends with that person? <laughs> and go on that show? Oh, Ozark is, you are wasting your life without seeing it. <laughs> listen,
1: that's a little heavy handed, don't you think?
0: Not if you appreciate the arts the way I do.
1: <laughs> okay, that's For fair.
0: somebody that will never land an acting role in her lifetime, the envy I have for that show and just because the characters there's something about the way they do the characters and the they make it so damn believable on a level that you can believe it's happening to a family in the actual Ozarks because you can picture it it's about like a Mexican cartel and this family and them laundering money for them and it turns into this whole thing where now the whole family is involved and like the teenagers are involved in it but it's it's done in a way where it's, it makes you legitimately question so many different aspects of, of American culture and the way uh, that this person is successfully, like, totally okay with working with the cartel because he feels, oh, I'm just laundering money, this whole family's, I don't know. It's intense, though. It
1: sounds intense.
0: It is. Sorry, I get real into stuff. get real into stuff and I get passionate about stuff and breaking bad and Ozark (laughs) hit your nose right on button there.
1: Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I've heard nothing but amazing things. Like yeah, I've heard that no one ever quite as intensely as that right there, but I think I've had several people say I should check it out.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you can check it out. It's It's all right. There's, there's certain shows, but I, you know what the, the minimum amount I know about you, I don't picture it. Yeah. I don't picture it being your cup of tea. Like
1: I'm more of a comedy guy to me. Yeah. You know, I think you're yeah. the same way in a, in a way, like you've had, you've seen enough heaviness in your life that yeah. if that you could look at something and enjoy it, yeah. but you could also say, yeah, I've had enough heaviness. I'd rather laugh. I'm not going to intentionally put more heaviness.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that view because my husband has that view and I'm the opposite. I have the view on like a level, but then I'm also like, tell me all the darkness. <laughs> Show me all the darkness. I, it's cause there's something attractive to that. And I don't know if it's because of the way I was taken out of the military, why I felt like I didn't get enough of what I wanted out of it because I was so, after I got hurt, I was like right out. Um, so I feel this, like, I didn't get enough of what I, I, I always feel this, like, I don't want to say revenge is the word, but you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I feel like I never got that closed book. And so I enjoy in a weird way. I, you know, I used to like, I don't watch it as much, but I enjoy criminal minds. I enjoy documentaries on like sociopaths. And I, got the privilege to study uh, criminology out here. And I had a professor and um, ironically enough, I end up uh, Russell Williams, the Canadian colonel who decided to murder a few people uh, while Mm. in uniform and travel the world and potentially murder others while also breaking into the homes of neighbors who happened to be in my, my lovely town um, where I grew up. So I always loved the brain. I always loved how it worked. I always loved not the darkness of the brain, but how somebody could be that way and maybe just the behavior of it. And so that for me was, um, when I got to study that here, I actually got to do a, uh, I got to do a, um, a research project on him and I was like spewing information that like most people didn't even know because one, he was in the military which was crazy and he ran the largest air force base in canada which is insane yeah and he so he murdered someone from my town and then he murdered someone from the air force base it was a french girl i i feel horrendous for forgetting both of their names off the top of my head i will correct that um but what was crazy is like my cousin worked on the base and would have interactions with him and you know i Oh, yeah. I'm like super fascinated by that type of stuff. So it's not that I like the darkness. I always find the brain to be the most fascinating part of, you know, a person. Um, And I I, I always wonder how they tick. And for some reason, the idea of understanding a sociopath is also terrifying, which is kind of like adrenaline-y, I guess. It's not a word. It is now. But you get what I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No,
1: I, I am very fascinated with sort of the mechanics of the mind as far as that goes. To me, that's fascinating. How could you be a commander and then, you know, you seem well adjusted. You probably, you know, I don't know. Like, was, how, do you get from, have you never how do you get from there to there? Him? I don't, I mean, I, I'm sure I would have heard about him, but that name didn't, didn't. Well, it's
0: Colonel Colonel Russell Williams, but out of respect to his victims, nobody calls him. He lost his pension. His wife lost his pension. Um, Okay. So after we have this chat, you totally need to look in the room.
1: I am. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Here's what's super twisted. Okay. So he ran the Air Force Base in Canada, which is the largest one. It's where, you know, when we have someone die, they come in, they go into the Trenton Air Base. That's where my... Uh, my grandfather, my mom's side actually settled in Trenton when he came from Hungary, which is super weird. And so uh, I grew up not far from it. And he lived in Tweed, Ontario, which is uh, 20 minutes, oh, maybe 20 minutes from where I grew up. And my parents recently had a cabin on the same street. And what he was known for doing was going and breaking into people's homes while they were not there. And then he would take something, like a piece of lingerie or a sex toy if they he found one, and he would leave a note on the computer. Like, I was here, I have this, but you don't know what else he's done or taken or touched or you, but he would do that. So it was a, it was a mind thing for him. And then that escalated into him breaking into homes and sexually assaulting women and not killing them, but just assaulting them. And then that escalated into he took someone from my town. And I remember I had gone home to visit my parents because at the time I was posted to Vekietse. And um, I remember driving. It's like a good... Uh, seven to 10 hour drive, depending on traffic. Um, and I remember driving and I drove through that Tweed town, the small town. And I saw, I went to the gas station and I it blows my mind. Cause I went to high school with this girl's brother. And um, I was started seeing like missing signs. Like she's missing. And in a small town like that, like, and when I say small town, like I grew up in a town with a graduating high school class um, where I graduated, of, I think it was like a hundred kids, like, like tiny, like farm town, hockey players, cows. We partied on the farm, like in the barns, like peed in the bushes, like the whole drank when you're not supposed to kind of thing. And everybody had this unspoken rule there, but nobody really ever did anything that was out of, you know, that bad, um, drugs were prevalent in the small towns like that like you were mentioning like drugs can really run rampant quickly and um yeah she went missing and i remember seeing the signs and uh and then i got a call and my mom called me she was like did you hear what's going on and i was no and um i found out and i was like okay so his wife they had a second home in ottawa and that's our capital of Canada small again incredibly small for a capital but he had a place in a um just like a suburban called de sac and they raided i don't know how it all got figured out i, I can't remember off the top of my head because i don't want to misquote but it all got it came back to him and at this point he had now killed two people and the one was the other one and um they went in and raided their houses and found garbage bags full of women's lingerie and underwear and photos, Polaroids of him in it. Like, wow, what a full, like full on criminal minds movie, like crazy. And um, what they find most troubling is he traveled for work. He was the highest you were getting, he was a commander he was our air force commander for Canada, for God's sakes. So he was traveling the world. So they're like, wait a second, hold on. Now they're going back. And they're looking at people who have gone missing when he was in the country, women who were raped when he was in the country, like all these crazy things are coming out. And so that was, I mean, that was intense. So it's not like I'm not interested out of Pure nature i have it i kind of this happened in our area right yeah that's, that's a lot yeah. Yeah, yeah but that unfortunately i find that stuff fascinating like weirdly fascinating
1: yeah but i, I narrated a a uh, series called evil next door it's like a crime true oh crime my god i know what that is yeah
0: i totally watched that of course Did I watched that.
1: well, i mean yeah but, yeah
0: Thanks, man. So you were in it.
1: Well, I narrated it.
0: Narrated? That's you.
1: Yeah, if it's the same evil next door that I did. I'm yeah. thinking
0: of. Hey, is it was that one on what channel was that one on? I, I think
1: it was on. It was it was on a streaming channel. I think it's one of the places was Fox Nation. That's yep. where I know it was on.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears> yeah, it was it um, was the same one because they streamed it up here on was like A&E or something like that. It was like we had a, it was up here and you could stream it and you could, I PVR would it.
2: Okay, <laughs> nice.
0: I'm a PVR person. And then I go back and, because I can only, like you said, I can only handle so much darkness. Yeah. Like there's a time and a place for it. We all want it. Like, I'll be like, I can watch that. But then there's some days where it's like, I need, I need Family Guy. Yeah. I just need, or American Dad. <laughs> Do
1: you watch either of those? I used to when I was in college. I watched Family Guy. Now that I got three little kids in the house, I am limited on what I can watch because it's got, always like Peppa Pig twenty four seven over here. You
0: so, pep it hard man.
1: <clears throat> so I have to. Um,
0: you got to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got a lot yeah,
1: of. I, I did. Enjoy uh, Family Guy. That was a, back in college. So funny, yeah. Just
0: that just made me feel like a complete douchebag, mom. I don't watch it with Jack present. He's four now. He he's he watched. He was into Peppa there for a minute, and he like we would read books, and he would make me do the voices um, because I don't do them very well but I always added the snorts. So he was like super stoked. And then my nice. husband and I would do it together and it, we would read it and he'd be like, mommy, let's do Peppa. Like it hurts. Okay. I can't, I don't have the capacity <laughs> to keep this up. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, you must get that a lot. Your girls wanting you to do voices for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. They, they do as many as I do. So, you know, really? So you got
0: them started young.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think you have to tell most kids not, I mean, most people have done impressions until they got too old and boring to keep doing it.
0: Did you think it's something that people do impressions? What's that? Do You think it's something that gets pushed out? Like as you get older, like that, that idea that you shouldn't be joking around or kidding around. I think so. Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: I can't speak for everybody, but in my case, I know that when I was little, I liked trying to imitate, somebody off of a show or a cartoon and then later on you know okay i'm a you know a college graduate maybe i'm an army officer maybe i ought to act more in my age and a little more mature and then i think you start losing that if you kind of embrace that
0: i like that that's what happens
1: yeah and and you can do that with anything you know well i'm the president of this bank so i probably shouldn't be doing stewie griffin (laughs) why not at the you know, the drive <laughs> yeah. window, you know. <laughs>
2: so, but,
0: anyway. but I, you know, I think I think that people who choose to follow the path that um, is is definitely more worn down, and that is that sense of going into the military, you know, doing that, doing the the job that the stable job, the the nine to five or the you know those types of jobs and those types of careers. You see, you see a hardening of personalities, like the longer they're in it. And then you hear about, you hear about people who get out of the military and they, they just never break through that hard, that hard barrier. And it's, it's weird to me because personally being in the military, people are super funny. Like It could be offside humor, but they are so there are some seriously funny people and you don't get that way by being buttoned up and serious all the time. Like you've got to have let it loose sometimes.
1: Yeah. I think it's a definite coping mechanism when you're surrounded by, let's say burning sand, as far as the eye can see, and you've got, you're eating out of a vacuum packed bag (sighs) and you're taking a dump in a hole you dug. Like you better have a sense of humor. You're going to Blow your you brain. Die.
0: <laughs> yeah. Your brain is going to die and you're going yeah. to cry in a little hole because you, if you don't, if you're, if you don't have that, you can, your brain cannot compute what you're seeing.
1: No, you really can't. And that's before the, the horror starts. That's just, that's just the <laughs> nice parts.
0: This is just situational <laughs> shit I'm dealing with. It's just really hot. I just really need to poop and I just don't have a bathroom. Like this is the only situation. And I remember that <laughs> because this is, <laughs> This will tell you how screwed up some of my service was. We were outside the wire and I had to pee so, so bad. bad. We had just literally finished a firefight. And this is when I was with the British. So I was the only woman up there. And I said, if, if someone doesn't, like, I need to go. Like, pee. And like you can't, like, I'm not even going to try to do the British accent. Cause I worked, they were Scottish, Irish, English, South African, and Fijian. I can't and all of them were all one military yelling at me and their accents were some of the Scottish accents were so un, literally I could not understand radio transmissions anything so I said somebody needs to like clear a spot because I'm going to pee on you and so they got out one of our guys and he gets out the the metal detector and he's well let me see if I have him is this guy.
1: Yeah. The little mind
2: sweeper.
0: they mind sweeper. And so we're inside the, we're inside. We just cleared a house. We're inside of it. And um, he goes, I haven't cleared the rest, so don't go anywhere. Hold on. He goes out in front of me and he's walking, goes a couple of feet. Don't go there. Don't pee right there and don't move. Don't step outside that little box. You will blow up. Just go pee there. I'm like, oh. Okay. But your brain has to have some type of way of coping with that. Or otherwise, you're going to have a meltdown at the thought of IEDs being on either side of you while you pee in 55 degree heat and in front of a bunch of dudes. I just think you need to have that humor. And what makes me sad is when I see people get out of the military, lose that. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, do you think it's a camaraderie thing they lose?
1: Well, I think it has to be a lot of the time because, uh, I mean, there are some real loners. I mean, I think we've all seen lone wolves, but most of the time when you get out, I know I can speak for myself on this. I do not miss the army. I miss some of the training, all the ranges, any kind of (laughs) weapons range. I always enjoyed that. And then I enjoyed the the (laughs) folks I was with. I really like them. I keep up with a lot of them. You know, I just, the people, I miss the people. I don't miss the army, but I miss the people.
0: Yeah. I, the gentleman I had on before you here, he was a Royal Marine and, um, English guy. And that's what we said. It was, you know, the people you, you serve with, it doesn't matter really the country or the sex or the gender, the color, the whatever, when you, when you serve with someone at all, there's a bond. I don't care what any of you say. I don't care if you like me, you like me deep down because you know, that even though you don't like me in person, you know, I'll have your sex no matter what, like there's that, you know? And um, I think that's, it's hard getting out, um, seeing people, you know, some, like you said, there's the lone wolf to see, they'll kind of dissipate. And But did you find that um, when you served, you had a lot of um, what I saw in some of the units I served with a lot of uh, just like clashing?
1: I mean, I guess some, sometimes, but it wasn't, um, I mean, that's not all I saw. I mean, I think I was in a pretty good unit. Um, now I was an officer and, you know, I don't know how it is in Canadian army, but you know, in the American army, you know, you have the, you don't want to have the fraternization. So you're not going to be as close with the enlisted guys. Uh, I was in an all male, you know. That's why I keep saying, "Guys." Uh, no, no,
0: you go ahead and say, "Guys." It's fine. I, most of the people I speak with, and 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 ninety percent of the people that have probably listened or are gonna listen, um, the people I serve with were guys. I have right. girls, but not as many. It's fine.
1: Right, right. The um, you know, so there's there has to be that distance there. Mm-hmm. I don't agree. You know, I'm, that's one of those rules I don't agree with too much. I mean, like I would, uh, I would have some counterparts, lieutenants on my left and right, they were like, oh, I'm never gonna ever talk to an enlisted guy outside of a formation. And I think that's ridiculous. So, you know, kind of how I, I talked to my commander where I kind of drew the line was, look, if, if I'm going to be in harm's way with these guys and we, you know, we might be bleeding on each other. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to let them know that I'm one of them and I value them and, and uh, I'm not too good for them. So I will, I would like, uh, you know, on Saturday, go over the house, go over to the apartment, wherever they're getting together, you know, have a, uh, have a burger, watch, watch the football a little bit. And then before it gets too late and everyone starts getting too crazy, you know, I'll, I'll head on out.
0: Yeah. Before the alcohol starts flowing and people start throwing, throwing punches, you need to just, right.
1: I'll let, I'll let them do that on their own. And I'll the
0: children play the adults go to bed now.
1: Right. That's kind of, that's all it was. Yeah. And, um, and so there was a little bit of, <clears throat> Um, th- there was some head button, I guess, with other, me with other lieutenants who didn't, because I generally don't
0: like a,
2: officers.
0: No, no, but I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And I will voice that nobody likes officers. It's, it's like this idea that we're going to, you give them a, if you want to get lost, you give an officer a compass. That's like the running joke. I, I respect officers. I'm just, just, well, seriously. I,
1: in my case, I was, I was the best, with a compass of anyone I've ever met, including all the I grew up in the because swamp, you know, so I was good before I went in.
0: Yeah, you knew you knew how to handle life before you even became an officer. That's why you were successful at it.
1: Well, the thing I I don't like uh, generally don't like officers though. The the people that love officers are officers, <laughs> and Impressive. no, you know nobody likes a narcissistic a hole. Uh, I know I don't. So most most of the officers, and nope. I can say this that I dealt with i some of them were fantastic but most of them were out to punch a ticket to their next assignment so they could Uh work at you know the pentagon or you know get their dream location in hawaii or italy or whatever and they were not in it for the guys in the unit so they go go out and come home safe Uh they were there to you know win medals and get their you know their evaluation report nice and pretty and all
0: that stuff I still don't understand that mentality. I don't understand that mentality. And here's why I think if you're going to go deploy with someone, you better be on the same page with them. And I saw that with, this is where I found the difference between um, my actual unit I deployed with and the unit I actually served outside the wire with. And that was the difference. Some of my staff members would be, uh, they are the people that the reason I'm alive today, because they saw what was happening after I got hurt and we're like, okay, like they knew signs and they knew she doesn't act like that or say those things or react that way or be that kind of disrespectful unless so, like there was some serious, serious stuff. I mean, that happened. And after that, I just, I was literally not the same in human being. I, from the week they saw me when I left to when I came back, I was not the gunner. They even understood. I, I would rip your face off and come at you if you even looked at me the wrong way, because I felt like you were att- coming, like, actually attacking me to kill me. So it got, I got to a point where I'm grateful for those very few people. They were not the, you know, the big majority. The majority was very much, you don't mingle with, you know, the grunts. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't show them that side of you. And I almost think people would fare better And probably be more open when something traumatic happens outside the wire and how it's truly affecting them, whether it be a male or female, if their staff members made them feel like you could have that conversation with them and they weren't going to look at you like you were an idiot, weak or pathetic. They were going to look at you and go, thanks for having the balls to have a conversation with me and let's fix the problem so that you can have longevity in this career rather than you not being able to come to me and say, you know, sir, this is going on. Normally they'll look at you and go, and like, there's no, do you know what I mean? They don't, if you don't show that with your staff or your, or you're the guys under you, people will not respect you the same.
1: <laughs> you're just a taskmaster. You're a, mm-hmm. you're a manager, but you're not a leader.
0: And yeah. And being a leader is the, is the difference between surviving outside the wire and, and have, like, sorry, having a leader is, has the difference between surviving outside the wire or not. And that's my, that's my view and what I've seen, but yeah. I can only speak from personal experience. So, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of people out there that are great at what they do, but from a leader's perspective, if you're going to take people outside the wire on foot or in a tank or in a plane, you better be able to lead them through some shit if it goes down. And I better be able to believe that you're going to be there for me too, even though you've got two bars on your chest and I've got a Chevron, you know? Exactly. Um, I think that's where we, we let a lot of our soldiers down. I think that's where we let, let a lot of our veteran community down. And I think that's where you, you see the, the cracks start to form start to form when you get out some people And you know this because you guys have this, you you guys have this in the States a lot. And uh, it's where uh, somebody who's an officer is married to somebody else. And that somebody else also think that rank uh, follows them.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) I've seen that.
0: What is that (laughs) called? You guys have a name for that, don't you?
1: Oh, I don't know about that particular one. I know a dependopotamus is generally someone that. uh, Yes. That marries, and it's not exclusive to officers, though, which is why I say, but yeah, a, dependop- a is someone that marries a government worker, basically, okay, you don't, and the higher the rank, the better, they've got a, oh, they've got a chart back at their place, and they know the pay scale, and, okay, if he's got six years in, then he's a, oh, three, then he'd be making, you know, they know all that.
0: Assuming my pension, if I leave oh, him here, yeah. he'll have this left over, and I'll get this, and as long as I'm married this long.
1: Right. As long as we have the SGLI. And if he, you know, gets hit by a bus over there, then, you know, then I'll get 400,000 for his whatever. And then yada, yada. Oh, they've planned it. And then, yeah. So then all they have to do is go down to the old local watering hole and get them a whatever, uh, a government worker that's going to get paid twice a month, regardless of what uh, of how good or bad they are. You know what I mean? And then if he's deploying, That'll be even better because he gets the separation pay from his honey, which I don't care anything about him, but we'll be separated and there'll be more money. I'm in the going to be
0: sleeping around on this side. Oh, I, yeah. I'm going to come back and I'm going to be eight months pregnant.
1: Right. That happened. One of my soldiers. I had that. Happen uh, and I had, I came in on the kind of the tail end of this guy. He had, he had three kids and one of them was his and he'd been deployed twice. And he knew about it. Like that was the thing. I was just like, man, I don't know whether to commend you for your undying true love or say oh. you're pathetic. I don't. I'm not sure. He's I don't got know him what's on to, him. But like that, that was like, wow, man! Every time you go away, you have a new kid when you come back.
0: You That's shouldn't have. Cool. I don't know if you know how that works. Have you taught him about how the physiology and the biology works from the body?
1: Well, I I didn't take it upon myself as a platoon leader to uh, teach him that. I was hoping he had already got that block of instruction.
0: So you're a better person than I am, because I would have pointed that out wholeheartedly. Listen, son, I don't know if you know about life, but I'm pretty sure she cannot get pregnant if you are not physically in the country. Uh, I don't know what you're telling yourself, uh, but those, those kids ain't yours. I, I mean, good for you for looking after them, but uh, that's that takes a special kind of person to to have that kind of understanding. I I can't say I would be the same.
1: Yeah, and he I, I will say he was not in my platoon so it was not affecting my uh, unit's morale or whatever uh, preparedness but it was kind of like does you know does he does he think they're his because he was gone longer than the gestation period of a you know homo sapien
0: uh, looks nothing nothing like him exactly like
1: and and if we're being very honest here, the, this guy was very pasty white. I mean, he's whiter oh. than me. And the dad was the cook at a Mexican restaurant. I mean, he was Hispanic because that's where the wife worked also. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it was like, you know,
0: this, this is this, is, this, this child is half Mexican. Why is nobody addressing the pasty Mexican in the room? There's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. We love him. He's special that way. But Why is nobody saying this?
1: It was, it was awkward every time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there's I, a lot of that that goes on. Well, a lot of that. Dependipotamus.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. I appreciate yeah, that. That's
1: the root of all evil around an army base is the old Dependipotamus.
0: Yeah, it's true. And I know that because I heard all about it when I deployed. I did not realize how young a lot of American soldiers get married. And I did not oh, yeah. realize how quickly they deploy after training until I was chatting with a friend of mine. And he was like, yeah, I was married. Like before my rate at we turned 18. Cause I was deploying and I wanted her on my benefits. And, <clears throat> and then he gets a call halfway through to her and everything's gone. I heard that story more times than I can count in a six month period. Mm-hmm that was terrifying. And it was always, always, always the Southern voice. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because it was a, um, the view on maybe relationship and, and, and how, you know, you, difference in, in how people are when they date and what they can have sex and if they can, and if you get married, then you, it, it's, I don't know a lot of some of these well some of these guys were super very very religious so I think that went with their faith and how they view things so you know the high school sweetheart that whole kind of thing um but it was I I only ever heard it from um from from guys from like Texas interesting I felt real sad (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't have a hypothesis on that. I don't know how that would. Work. I don't.
0: I don't know either. I. I don't know what it was, but it was just one thing though. I was just. I remember going back and going, "Oh my God, there's so many people. <laughs> what yeah. is happening?"
1: I would be less wary of a high school sweetheart than I would someone that you met at a strip club. But it obviously it, it happens. If you're 18, you know, let's let's think long and hard about this, regardless of how long you've known her. Exactly. In my case, a lot of the time that I saw it was just like, you know, you show up here, let's say July, and then you, your first week out, you, you know, see your first pair of boobies and yeah. think you're in love and then you want to get married. And then within a month, oh, she's happy to do it because she's a dependipotamus and she's got the pay scale. And then all of a sudden you deploy. No. <clears throat> and then when he gets that call six months in the deployment, no one is surprised. no. In fact, they're a little relieved for him.
0: So that that can just get out of his life and be over with.
1: Right. It's like, all right, you weren't making that much money anyway. It's all gone. Now just open a new account and we'll just start over with everything. How about that?
0: Yeah, just. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, it's a good idea.
0: Yeah, let's go to the strip Uh, club again, though, when we get home. And then let's do this all over again.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh my gosh. I remember after basic training when they first let us out, when they very first gave us our first weekend of like, all right, You didn't mess up this week. Everybody did inspection goods. You can go out for the 48 hours, but don't, don't mess it up. we go, we go out and we go, the beeline, it was like a beeline. They look, where is the nearest strip club that I can go to immediately? And so, especially in basic, I mean, I was, how do I say it? There were girls in basic that were good at stuff and there was me and I would crush their souls because I enjoy watching souls crush when they suck at PT. So <laughs> it brought me some pleasure. And so I didn't really hang with them too much. So off we go to this strip club first weekend out and I, you know, I grew up around, whatever I didn't you know I've not said I've been to a strip club before 18 but I went I went and I just kind of like sat back but I watched these children who thought they were men just get screwed out of thousands of dollars and I sat back and laughed on repeat because it was so obvious it was painful but everybody else like these women were like this is too easy like are you kidding me it, it's sad but that happens all the time
1: yeah that guy will be convinced he is the only man she's ever talked like that to.
0: only he's man like, ever talk talked like
1: looking. yeah a, you know whatever about him and he those just-
0: things too and promise those things too and just needs a man that can save her save her out of the life of stripping <laughs> it's the best i'm sorry if people aren't in the military to listen to this it's honest to god like the truth we find it everywhere, but if, if you, what, okay, this is maybe me hearing this, but I've heard stories that if you want to meet certain type of military members, there are certain bars you go to in the States. So for example, if you wanted to meet a air force guy, you go here. If you wanted to meet an army guy, you go here. But if you really wanted to meet, the elite, you go to a certain bar for special forces people. And I don't know if that's true, but this is what I've been told. So is that a thing? Are there like particular places and bars that I don't know about?
1: I don't know. The only thing that I, I'm, I'm not saying that's not true. Uh, Just from my personal experience. Um, I mean, shoot, if I was a, a green beret or a CAG guy you know some kind of special forces I wouldn't want to hang out with the guys I was hanging with so I'd probably yeah I'm sure that they've got their own little spook hideouts that nobody knows about and maybe except the ladies I don't know maybe maybe in in my experience the um, army bases generally I don't know how they pick bases marines and navy are obviously near the water makes sense Most most of the time, I mean, there's actually a navy base that's a it's more of an aviation base, Uh right near me, four hours from the the water, which is weird. But anyway, there's that most are kind of on the water. Man, I think when they were passing out locations, the army was just at the back of the line because everywhere is just like, oh god, that's the that's the swamp. Oh, that's the prairie. Oh, that's The the frozen tundra, and it's like. (laughs) So the army is in all these awful places for the most part, there's a few nice ones, but then that's the only thing in town. So, so I have heard of that kind of thing, except it's more like the officers or the young officers go over there, older officers and maybe, you know, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but it's still all army where I was, I was never in a place outside of a, you know, a base in Iraq or something that had multiple, Mm -hmm. um, you know, military personnel, but that could be, you know, in some larger cities that have, you know, I don't know, on the, along the coasts, maybe maybe that's more of a thing. Yeah. San Diego, something like that.
0: Yeah. I can picture that. I can see that, that like Florida and stuff like that where they have Mm -hmm. New York and whatnot. I know I've um, I got the opportunity to, I've I've chatted with a few SF guys and um, my God, I don't know if it's me or, or if it's just the fact that they're just so much like cooler than me, but it like, I can't, I try to have, talk to them about stuff. And I'm like, I, you, I can't, what am I going to compete with? I can't, I can't talk to you about anything. Cause you're just the shit you have done, the, the stuff you've seen and the people you hang out with. I can't, I can't compete with that. That's ridiculous. I
1: don't, I don't think I've ever met a uh, army special forces guy officer or enlisted that I didn't like.
0: They're the nicest they're people. Called the, they're called
1: their, their nickname. I was like the quiet professionals or whatever. Yeah. They're just nice. They'll talk about you than themselves. They don't brag. I mean, I'm no. sure they're out there. I've never run into in, any that did. Uh, I mean, they're, they're highly trained. They know they're cool. So they don't have to remind you every five seconds. They
0: just and then look cool. They're
1: just chill. They're cool. They're cool dudes. And they look, um,
0: they look fast. You just look like, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to take something from me by accident.
1: Yeah. And they're generally in good shape, you know? So I I like, I like the, uh, the special forces guys.
0: Yeah. We don't have a lot of them that I know of out out on the West coast of Canada, The, the more majority of our, what you would call like the special forces in the hill, we call it the hill is East coast. So I got to, I got to, uh, when I was doing rate training, when I came back, we did, um, I worked at a range, a cannot range, and it was one of the, the world's largest, um, uh, competitive shooting ranges. And, uh, so we worked with like the RCMP, which is our federal like FBI. Yeah. Um, and then, but with horses and then, so we, we with had the that
1: sweet red uniforms and the smokey bear hat.
0: Have you seen those pants? They're dress pants they have like the, like
1: the riding pants with the bloomers that, out to the side
0: yeah like that it's all you know what those remind me of they remind me of like um what's it called like Alice in Wonderland you know that like the, the when the pants come out on the jesters and they walk around right. like that. that's all I picture when I see that and that's because my girlfriend is RCMP and so is her husband so every time I picture them in dress uniform I can't help myself like it's just I respect them so much but at the same time I'm like oh god I can't your dress uniform hurts my soul um i look like a 12 year old boy in mine so there's not really much more i can say uh to argue against that fact but we have so they they come and they shoot and then we have like provincial cops but then we also have special forces will come up and shoot and compete with each other and stuff like that and um i remember because it's actually attached to a protected bird sanctuary and like fisheries so part of it yeah it was it was a we just love nature
1: i love nature We just
0: love it so much in Canada. We just we have to surround everything around it, and we have to talk about it and be and be protecting of it at all times. So beside this range that just shot up massive rounds on a regular basis, there was this attachment, and uh, so we have a drive around in the big SUV, and you'd have to go watch for birds and make sure nobody electrocuted themselves on wires because we had an eagle do that one. Saddest thing. Yeah. um and so we're going and we're doing all of this, and we come back around and all I hear is, a, and I look up and I see I see uh, like I see a what you guys call black hawk, but I see a griffin come in, and it's the JTF are doing fast roping.
2: Nice.
0: I, like, I want to play, please let me play, and nobody will let me play. I was really
2: sad. I just think
0: about it.
1: The, the, the uh, yeah, they have a little school over here called Air Salt that you have to go to before they'll, i not, I mean, I'm sure you can do it without it, but that's kind of the fast roping school oh. that we go through. And it's, that's fun. I, I was never in a fast rope unit, but I did go to that school and it was, you know, it's got to play.
0: Yeah. We never got to do any of that because we we're working on the M triple seven. So the whole concept of my life was learn how to lift heavy things and pull strings real hard. So, you know, I didn't get to fast rope, but of course. Cool shit. <laughs> I'm really jealous of it though. I feel like in another life, I'm going to be a special forces person. You probably will. I'm going to, I'm going to aim for it. I don't know what I got to do to make that happen. I just watch know what happened of, happen for me. And I'm so damn envious. Like
1: watch a lot of YouTube videos.
0: Oh no, because then I'm going to be like that guy that started basic training with me who said to me, and I quote, I'm super good at halo. So I decided to join the army.
1: Well, what are you doing here, son? He
0: VR'd the first week when we had to do nine. We were on the ninth floor, so we had to do stairs every morning down to PT, run your 10K, run your bass back up, and then go down and get your breakfast. And so he couldn't, ha- he couldn't hack it. Um, so that was one of my greatest achievements to watch that, that soul sign his piece of paper out because he was a shit pump and I couldn't take it any longer.
1: What, what, what I don't know what makes people say things like that.
0: Um, I think it's this, uh, the fact that, I mean, this kid was young. He had done cadets his whole, like, early adolescent life. He was 17, so his mommy, daddy signed a piece of paper for him to go to basic early, which, good for you. Um, but he was a gamer. And for whatever reason, because he was in cadets, he figured he could hack it in, like, real life, where people do this for, like, a real career. Um... Yeah, he didn't end up up making it through. Yeah, it was really not a shock, really.
1: Well, I'm sure he was really good on Call of Duty or whatever, so
0: that's good. You know, I don't play video games, but there's something to be said uh, about that new, um, there's a new game, and I want to say, didn't Tim just interview the guy that they based the character off of?
1: He might have. I know he knows several people that have been on there
0: there. there no, there's this gentleman though. I was showing Coleman and um, new Call of Duty, I think. Yeah, new Call of Duty. I think it was we were talking yeah, about yeah. he but I think he just did an interview. And, and um, I remember seeing it and I actually saw it on. It was like a show talking about like military or whatever and, and gaming. And I saw it and I was like, why do I recognize that guy's face? And then I scrolled through and I'm like, oh, my God. That is the coolest damn thing in all of time. It's not like I know anybody that's gonna do video games.
1: Yeah, I really like how, how they uh, have done it. They've got several guys that they've based uh, characters off of. So instead of just grabbing a, a pretty model, they get a real like force recon guy. He
0: can run really fast. You don't know what he's capable of. I've seen that guy lunge like no one's business. <laughs> laugh it up. I'll never say who you are, and I will never say what you do or what it's for, but I am telling you right now, as soon as this is done being recorded, you're going to meet this beautiful face.
1: I look forward to that.
0: Yeah, I can't, you know, it's one of those things where you go to Italy, you see a sculpture, you're like, who did they base them off? He thinks it's ridiculous, but see, this is my, this is one of my favorite things in the whole wide world to do, and it's make people uncomfortable. I do it because one, it brings me severe amounts of pleasure. Um, on, a, on an emotional level and on, and on the other, I just there's something about being able to just look at somebody and, and say th- the things that, that just evoke such like deep weirdness in like they just can't, why did that person just ask me that like they're so disgusted in the fact that who would even come up with that question and then I'm like me, I would it makes me happy inside so I will never stop making them uncomfortable. Um, okay. I need to know, how did you meet your beautiful, beautiful wife?
1: Let's see. I was living in Kansas. I got a text from a guy that I, had, um, that I knew really well. And he said, you have to meet this girl. Kind of like, you, you're coming home in a month. I know you are. Before you go to Iraq, you have to take this girl to coffee. And I was like, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do.
2: Oh there goes and again, yeah.
1: and so he uh he's like, no seriously. okay, so then he he's is sincere about it,
2: yeah,
0: and
1: he's a really good friend, and I said, okay, I will ask her to coffee for you, not for her,
0: not for, for her you. or me, <laughs> just Crazy. for
1: you, and so um, and the girl was i had uh seen her as far as she she worked at the uh fitness center so you she had seen her. me no, I really didn't okay. uh We'll stick with that. I, I had seen her. I knew he was who he was talking about, and she, she had stalked me though. It's funny. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Um. And then so we met up. So it was a blind date, but at least, but not totally blind. I like, I knew, knew what she looked like. You know, when I walked up. Okay, that's her.
2: Okay.
1: Uh. But, yeah, we had never so much as said hello to each other, and, wow. um. So yeah, we kind of hit it off and uh the rest is history that was i don't know
0: how long y'all been married
1: uh 10 years friday
0: oh, that's so cute if the world still exists after today congratulations <laughs>
1: if it doesn't explode tonight we'll be ten we're years.
0: attached to you so i'm too. <laughs> I know. and do you know why because i live on the border i can see america <laughs> it's troubling i don't have enough guns i'm
2: not yeah, ready for I, it. i'm not ready
1: and you're looking at uh you're looking at old seattle and portland down portland way that's so no. Uh,
2: no. no oh no. i'm
1: fine out where i'm at i've got i've got Plenty of guns and ammo am. and neighbors with guns and ammo all around me I'll, i'm i'm optimistic
0: i feel like you and your family because you guys have a really unique and t- correct me if i'm wrong and i don't i mean this is me just totally airing out your life but i think your life is uh, such a beautiful thing i think a lot of people's lives uh could use a little bit more of what you guys have and that is like you really have a tight-knit family um and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about besides obviously your service, your incredible career and your willingness to put the effort in and create a new job for yourself that you really, truly believed in and you found passionate, you found fulfilling and you found that it could actually feed your family. So those are the three things you always aim for. Um, but what I want to know is when you know when you, when you got out of the military, you, you have correct me if I'm wrong, three, three or four brothers total. How many are you?
1: How many do I have? I've got eight. I've got eight.
0: Holy and and four sisters. Tim did not brace me for this. Yeah. I was told. Okay, hold on a second. Okay, back up. I have so many questions. (laughs) Don't you all live close together?
2: All of us. Okay.
0: But they're most of us. Most of of us. Yes. Most of us. yeah. Yeah. And and it's is it on the same land?
1: uh no but it's it's uh a lot of us are on the same street you know what i mean like there's i have um you know mom's house and then i live across the street from her mm-hmm. and then my brother lives across the street from her on the same side of the street as me yeah. and then another brother lives on her land and a sister and her family live on kind of the back side so it's an, on another road but it's on mom's property so we a lot of us live close.
0: This is what I mean though. Do you know how cool that sounds? That sounds like built in like you you have company all the time. You have family around all the time. Your kids get to grow up in an environment where literally for miles, any direction they go, the only person they're going to know is their family member and they get to live a life that like most kids will never get to experience out here because of land being worth a bajillion dollars, like it's just not going to happen. And to be raised like that, I was raised similar like that. Not, I don't have that many siblings, I have one. Um, And he flies his own flag. He's a welder, an incredibly hard worker. He's one of those guys where it's like, um, well, uh, this is hard, but I know I'm good at it. So I'm just gonna get better and better. I'm gonna work towards, I'm gonna work towards, I'm gonna try, and then eventually I'll get there. And he gets pissy at me because he's like, I wish it was as easy as it was for you. And I was like, You think it was easy here, do you? You think boobies in a cute face works for everything? It doesn't. Cause guess what? I've tried and it doesn't. So all I'm saying, to, I'm saying to him, I'm like, you know, you will get there in time, right? But Here's the thing that you have that I wish I had. And I think so many Americans and Canadians and even Brits that are gonna to listen to this wish they had. And that is that having your family right there. To have that family right there. To live across from your mother at the age that you are. To have your kids have that relationship. I am I have a brother across the country of parents I don't see because they are truck drivers due to their career, which is their choice, I'm proud of them for it. Um, but I don't have any family out here. Yeah, I have my husband's family, which is obviously my family, and my second mom, and my my second super Jewy dad. And he hates when I say that, but I love how Jewish he is because it makes him this incredible creatively wild human being. And he's so freaking smart, it's painful. As much as I oh, I drive him. I, dri- I make him never want, like he hates seeing me sometimes because I just I just can't stop poking at him because it's too easy. It's like Larry David. It's like I just want to you make it's too easy. It's it, it's it's comic. It's too easy. So, I mean, I have an incredible support system that I can't even live without, but I have a mother-in-law and a father-in-law and a few cousins out here that are my husband's cousins that I've taken on as family. I don't have I don't get to see my mom the way you guys get to see your mom, and that's so freaking special to me. I just think it should be acknowledged that you know you're you're doing something right because I've followed your wife. I'm a creep. I creep. Oh. I have Got no shame in that. I creep. I creep on Jesse's wife. I creep on all your babies. Uh, I creep on the friends that hang around you. And I can't help it and I got no shame in it. So I just I'm just telling you, I think one of the reasons that you're so incredible to talk with. Is your view on the importance of family? And I'd just love to hear, you know, how you how you think about that and how you, you know, deal with mental health within the family, especially being a veteran because you have multiple veterans in your family, like a lot. So, how does that all how does that all work?
1: Well, I think if you you really love
0: somebody <laughs> If you love somebody sorry i just heard this song your accent got me if you really love somebody it's a country song waiting to happen
1: yeah but seriously if you really love somebody uh and not and i don't mean just in your own family if you're a a lovely person that just loves people Mm -hmm. you know so that no matter what somebody looks like or or whatever is different about them than you if you just hey you're all right with me if you just have that attitude Mm-hmm. You're, one it's good for your own health you know because so many people they're so offended by everything everyone does and their blood pressure is through the roof and they're going to die of a heart attack like just <laughs> chill out man Just quit being <laughs>
2: about
1: everything and you probably you know i don't know at least feel better yeah. and uh because there's nothing you can do about it yeah i cannot do anything about you know the u.s you know, U.S. Cavalry's policy towards the Native Americans in the 1850s. Can't do a damn thing about it.
0: Don't yell at me about it.
1: (laughs) Right. I I certainly don't condone it.
0: You know, so it's
1: kind of like there's some things it's like, I think you can acknowledge like that was that was horrible. You know, let's never do that again. You know, there's so many things we can do about it. Mm -hmm. But just to get mad at the U.S. in general, because we used to have some real bad policies you know, I don't think it's constructive. I think it, I think i like to look forward anyway with family, you know, you, um, I think it's a wonderful thing to have people over. We're always having people over, especially my mom. That's kind of the hub of activity. We're always having people from, you know, Mississippi state, uh, university is right near us. And so there's a lot of internationals. There's Mm -hmm. people from all over the world there. So we'll be having, you know, people getting their doctorates from india Mm
2: -hmm. over
1: here and um you know a german soccer player and you know just cultures from all over the world and they come here and they hang out with us and we love them and they love us and we just have a wonderful time and we i think it's wonderful to you know find someone oh you're from you know goa india tell us about uh what is that like? What is that? What is that? Seaport? You know, what's mm-hmm. your exports? What, you know, what do you do for fun? That's, I love doing that. That's fun. And then anytime someone, uh, you know, they're visiting and then the natives, you know, where the natives yeah. show genuine interest. Where are, you, where are you from? What's your family like? Yeah.
0: When you, know, you actually recently, show that, you know, their opinion, what their lifestyle is is, it's important to learn about others and cultures.
1: Right. Um, this guy recently had a guy in the in our home from uh, Nepal. He was from Kathmandu, or a, a little little town outside of Kathmandu, and we're like, "Oh, that's that's cool. What is it? Was it like? What's the weather like?" And he started. You could just see in his eyes he was uh, excited just to talk about home. And at one point, he pulled up his phone to to find a picture, and and I saw a tear in his eyes, like he was uh, showing. A piece of himself. Like this is where Thank I'm you. from. And you you like that. You know what I mean? You appreciate that. And to me, I mean, I've I've cried when I showed someone a picture of Mississippi. I know exactly how that is. <laughs>
0: like, and, uh, SSI, 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 I love IPPI. I love it. There's so much <laughs> <just> breakdown <laughs> in the full tears.
1: Exactly. Um, but oh, anyway, I think the main thing is just love. There's a lot of love on this road.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, you know, genuine do do anything for you uh love you enough to tell you hey you, you need to quit messing with that that's yeah. real love too by the way being that's able not... to
0: have a hard conversation that's right. what I, I said to you about the health and the mental health and being able to check you being, yeah. having that kind of love and that openness and that willingness to say the hard things to one another whether you like the outcome of it or not
1: right i mean i think real love in dealing with let's say children you can't give a child everything that they want because it's not good for them. They no, can't eat not, all the candy not. they want. That's, that's not love. Oh, I love my child too much to deprive them. No, you're oh, an idiot. You yeah, need to love them enough to say, that. no, yeah. no, you little moron. You're going to kill yourself. Get yeah. away from there. Yes. That's, that, that is much closer to real love, even though it's
2: it seems, in a different tone yeah. of
1: voice. Yeah. It's not a, it wouldn't go on a Hallmark card, but that is real love. I've you know?
0: seen Hallmark cards lately not the season okay well i'm gonna send you some i'm gonna send you some cards down you're gonna have to hide them from your children
1: really there's some
0: cards lately they're maybe not hallmark specifically but i've seen
1: a i've seen a raunchy card or two but hallmark (sighs) is always very is always very like pluck the old heartstrings yeah yeah i think they've uh I, i pay attention to people's branding i like their branding
0: you're also oh, you. That's interesting because you really are like a full creative guy. You really do like doing the you really like doing the actual work. But then you like the the, the stuff behind it, the behind the scenes, the packaging, the, you know, the media, the way that they're portraying their brand. That's interesting. You really, yeah. truly are a, the artistic type then, aren't you?
1: Yeah. I'm always, you know, if watching TV or something. I'll listen to the commercials kind of critically. <clears throat> Like, Oh, that was a good commercial that made me want to buy that product or kind of like, I don't know that I didn't really work. That was, I think they should have gone with a different voiceover or whatever. I don't know.
0: Do you think that, um, that helps you though in your profession?
1: I think so. I think you need to have your finger on the pulse of the industry you're in to some degree.
0: You know, it's funny that you say that. Cause I, I'm kind of at that crossroads where I, I really don't want to be on social media. <clears throat> But there's this necessary evil that I feel like I fight against all the time. And with that, I mean, you can compare yourself so much to so many other brands. You can look at all these other brands in my industry. Being in the fashion industry now and me learning what it is, what that actually means as a brand head is um, slightly terrifying. Uh, I've been welcomed into the community, taking a little bit of time, but we've been welcomed in. But I will say, though, if you can spend all your time looking at other people's brandings like days and days and hours and hours. And it's, inc- it's like incredibly insane to me that people can sit there and stare at their phones the way that they do. And then I watch the social dilemma and I realize how much that is actively going on all over the place. Like, it's not just me. Like, this is like a problem. This is yeah. like a serious problem.
1: Like yeah, it really is.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, I just want to just talk a little bit more about really what you guys do as a family, being such a large family with large family with uh, a lot of veterans and military history and things like that and living where you live. um, Maybe this is a misconception, but uh, so forgive me if it I'm. Completely ignorant here. I'm just trying to learn, and I'm trying to understand. I always found a lot of times um, in the states, in the south, at least, it was a very much like boys don't cry, hard, hardened, like suck it up kind of thing. And I was kind of raised a little bit like that to an extent, and I'm glad I was. Um, How do you find with? Your guys, like your your boys and your girls, like your family that you have actually served with. I mean, that have actually served. If there's ever been a mental health thing, how do you guys cope with that? Is do you keep it in house as a family? Do you guys believe in things like psycholo- like in psychology and 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 those types of treatments?
1: Well, the um, to my knowledge, I, we've never had anyone with a severe crisis, so I will say that
0: that's incredible. So,
1: I, so I don't know how we okay. would uh, cope with that. I definitely think that, um, uh, you know, modern medicine and psychological treatments are, mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, we're definitely not like, uh, you know, hermits who think it's
0: no, of course. Right no. Right no.
1: Well, some people do. So some people I, I, really I
0: don't <clears throat> for it, man.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I think, um, Now, obviously, I'm not a a trained uh, doctor or anything, but a lot of the times what a trained doctor is going to do is uh, talk to you and ask questions from a place of genuine concern. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Well, if you've got family members or friends that are doing that, you may not get to that point Mm
2: -hmm. that
1: you that you need to pay somebody to go ask you questions.
2: Exactly. It's that community.
1: Yeah. So some people, they just don't, they don't have that. They either don't have friends or maybe they've without meaning to intentionally cut themselves off yeah. and they're, they're kind of, um, you know, in a hard place and maybe don't even realize it. And then, you know, they don't know where to go. And, um, but I think uh, just being around people that love you, that genuinely care about you, yeah. is that never hurt anybody. <laughs> you and- know what I mean? Regardless of whether I need like professional treatment or not being around people that love you and they're going to look out for you and look for triggers that like, okay, Hey, Hey, just, Hey, sh- yeah,
0: that's not like a thing. For let's them. not
1: talk about this right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, th- that will, that's only going to be beneficial.
0: That and, and that sounds honestly, the, the answer really there is community. is what you said. It's having people who care, it's community, it's friends and family around you and not, and not um, locking yourself in, you know, in a, into a room to allow your thoughts to eat away at you. And I, I love, like I said, how you, how you guys think about that and how you view that. And having, like I said, you're so fortunate to have the, the community and the tight knit, um, you know, family who have seen similar things to you, who have been a part of similar things to you. They can actually get it, like maybe a normal civilian friend might not necessarily get. And um, I think that's beautiful. So I, I, you know. As far as as far as um, you being on our podcast, I'm incredibly grateful. I uh, met you very serendipitously via overline uh, online with um, with Tim and the Veteran Project, and got introduced to your family. And I've been nothing but fans of you guys ever since. And um, I'm incredibly thrilled that your mugs are available online. Your wife tagged me in something.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that.
0: I, was, I didn't forget. I'm so excited. I like. I'm going to promote the hell out of your mugs. And I'm going to just, I'm going to buy Jake's mugs. They're handmade. They hold a great amount of coffee and they're made with love. They better be made with love.
1: They're made with love. Every one of them.
0: Oh, okay. See, Cause now that I got concerned. I got concerned. Yeah. There. Yeah. questionable amount of love put into it. And I can't endorse that.
1: Okay. Well, these aren't for you then. Cause there's a love in these ones.
0: Oh, well, see, then I feel like you're going to sell the hell out of them as long as there's love. I mean, it's, I'm gonna. Nope. Don't say that. Never mind. I am really grateful, uh, Jake. And I, I, is there anything I missed that you would love to talk about at all work-wise that we can promote for you?
1: Not <laughs> really. I'm, uh, I'm happy to just come on and, and talk to you and, and, uh, I love what you're doing. I love what you do for the, uh, not only the veterans community, but just, you know, decent people everywhere. And I appreciate that. I like being associated with you as your friend.
2: Hey, and, uh, we're friends. Do you guys hear that? We're friends.
1: <laughs> so yeah, you know you're always welcome down at the down at the compound. And if your compadres ever would be willing to show their face, they're welcome too.
0: Oh, trust, trust. I have already been talking to Tim about coming down the second my borders open because I want to come hang out with you guys. And then Get I will tear the shit out of them. <laughs> well, yeah, he's already doing an impression of like a weird Borat <laughs> <dancing>. <laughs> Just a side note before we go: Answer me truthfully. Have you seen the new Borat?
1: I haven't. I haven't seen the old Borat. I I yeah. was in the army when it came out. Like I know. I think I know every line from it, apparently, just because of my guy. You know, like, (laughs) I was in, uh, at a time you just, you're very aware of Borat, but I just, I've never sat down and watched the whole thing.
0: Okay, do yourself and your brain a favor for comedy level, like this is for not a darkness. We started with the darkness, we're gonna finish with the light and Sacha Baron Cohen because he's one of the greatest actors. Did you guys ever see, he did one on Amazon called The Spy? It's a true story. Oh, you want to talk about range of acting. Oh, my God. It's it's a drama, but it's a true story. It's about a, uh, it's about the Syrian war way back when. Anyway, insane, insane, incredible acting. Then he comes out with this. And I almost so P- a
1: drama, like a serious...
0: Yeah, yeah, so it's called, the. Sp- really? I think it's called The Spy, I will Google it and like text it to you, or one of these lovely gentlemen will get the hint and, and Google it for me, and look at those fingers go. I got one on a keyboard and another one on a computer, and I'm really hoping some of you are getting the answer from me, can you guys please tell me which ones called? Sasha Baron Cohen is just, spy. This, yeah, it's called The Spy, and I believe it's on Amazon Prime.
3: Netflix
0: as well. Netflix as well? Okay, so it's hour-long episodes, and I think it's a mini-series, it's a limited series, but it's a true story about uh a he was just like a regular guy and i want to say he was israeli and then Mossad came to him was like we need you to go and this was during the time of like the syrian like really sketchy like the 70s and like before. yeah okay um and he plays this character and i've never seen him play a serious character and i i am not even i cried at the end of the series i was so emotionally attached to that character and to To what that story was about it 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 got me really bad like i couldn't stop watching it until i knew what was going to happen because it just felt so intense and and in such a beautiful way um but yeah uh but if you need comedy that new borat will don't i don't even want to say watch it with your wife because i feel like i am a lot less wholesome than your wife is (laughs)
1: She doesn't like dirty comedy. She was she's made a full circle. Like she used to just like all she listened to was Lil Wayne and things like that. Just and she made a full circle.
0: Does she? I mean, what's a full what's a full circle? She left Lil Wayne. Well, okay,
1: half circle, half circle.
0: Where did she go to?
1: Um, I said full circle. You're exactly right. Lil Wayne, all the way back around to Lil Wayne. Not like, yeah, that. I'm like,
0: like, what happened? Like, what like what like happened? Like what did a- Wayne do? <laughs> that was so bad. I look at, I'm so angry about this. I'm chopping you. I'm knifing you. What did she go to?
1: Well, I mean, now she listens to much milder type of, you know, chill music, classical and Ben Rector and things like that.
2: There's
0: as nothing wrong to- with that.
1: Ludicrous and Lil Wayne. You know. Nobody needs Ludic-
0: ludicrous. Is a goddamn legend. I, I don't care what you say, Jake. And Lil Wayne is a god. Well, I didn't
1: say they weren't in- incredibly successful. I'm just saying, like. For, oh, I
0: don't. I'm not talking successful <laughs> lyrically. Geniuses.
1: For sheer, uh, you might say, profanity.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. See, listen.
1: Th- th- that's what I'm saying.
0: Listen profanity is what profanity is. it's part of the language. none of us a lot of people don't like it and I can respect why. there is a, a lady likeness where you start dropping f-bombs every other word and they're like ah, you're not really great for daytime television but you can be if you just you just tone it you tone it down. Here's the problem I, I don't know how to tone it down and I feel like when I do come visit, I'm going to leave, and your wife is going to go back to her Eminem, Lil Wayne, Rick Ross. I'm going to have her just bump in the base, and you're going to be like, that's it. Can't be friends with that Canadian again.
1: Never coming back here To my back. little peaceful.
0: No. No. Oh, you know what? It's okay. I can get her under some hard stuff. We can start doing Metallica, headbanging her and her, her bright, her bright, beautiful orange hair
1: she would she would be a uh if she got in bang headbanging that would be eye-catching for sure
0: i think it'd be eye-catching but i also think you calmed her down and we need to turn her back up
1: i didn't calm anybody down
0: that, that woman's nuts somebody down. that woman is not nuts that woman is a beautiful human who has no she is she is. out of her that made her nuts that is different she didn't make herself crazy
1: well, not even that. She's she was crazy when I met her, but that's why that's what I liked about her. She was so much different than me.
0: Oh, oh, so she's like a spitting op. Okay, I get it. Oh, now. We're
1: very uh, uh, different, very different.
0: But I think the one thing that you guys share that's the greatest is just the love for your family. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys can you guys can connect on that.
1: We do we connect. Yeah, we connect. Her... We connect on that, and you know, a few other minor things. Like. We we both like working out. We both like uh, sports. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. What
0: kind of sports you do down there? Just football?
1: Oh, I like any kind. As far as watching, yeah. Football or in person, I like watching baseball. I don't like watching on TV. But a baseball game is fun to go sit in the stands, have the popcorn, the hot dog. It's relaxing.
0: I've never been.
1: i i like it in football games people want to stand and yell the entire game i don't want to do that if i'm going to pay money and sit in a broiling sun i want to be i want to just chill i want to sit
0: i want to and and baseball games it's more at my pace yeah it's more
1: uh socially acceptable to sit like a you know and just if something really good happens you might stand up and yay but it's not like on your feet the entire game just standing i haven't
0: been to either i haven't not been to either i have not not been to either I've heard all about this American NFL thing that you guys got going, that's real gnarly. Um, but I prefer sports where we don't wear helmets, uh, like rugby, and, uh, and uh, I like to kick people in the face, so Taekwondo generally rolls really well with that. Uh, we don't, yeah, football, my brother played a little, uh, then he couldn't get any more concussions because he would have went uh, all mushy on me. So we couldn't let him hit his head again, so <laughs> he was out of that real quick.
1: I and like I mean I don't know the rules very well but I like rugby's a very very uh I like that. It's very yeah, warlike. An Indian stickball. Ooh.
0: That's terrifying.
1: That stuff. Yeah, we, we're, uh one of my best friends Choctaw Indian. He's like you you know, you got to come down and play with me, brother. I'm like
0: You're
2: like no
1: a White guy out there every everybody be taking it out on me. No way.
0: I'll they come should be taking it out on you with that accent, and you walking into a bunch of Indian crowd. That would be offensive.
1: Yeah, but probably so.
0: I feel the pain.
1: But I'm fast. I mean, I, I'm. He's always like, "Oh, you're you're fast, brother. You'll be you'll be fine.
0: You'll be fine. I don't know. You'll be fine until you're not fine, and then." He'll but really they are,
1: to be. they are extremely rough. They, they don't are. Have, That's one of like, no, the. There's no. There's no pads, and it's every bit as, uh, contact contacty as football or rugby it's just not as there's not as many you know full speed shots probably but you know what i mean yeah you can whack people with a stick you got a couple clubs with you and you yeah it's rough it's
0: like being it's like uh it's like being downtown new york before you get mugged you can see it coming it's gonna happen
1: nothing i can do about it
0: (laughs) nothing i can do about it i'm gonna take it i'm gonna take it you're being real creepy I got my team looking through the camera lens. I'm real creepy here. Listen, I'm going to, I could do this for hours with you, my God, and I'm, I'm totally going to do it again. And um, I'm sorry if you say no, but I'm just going to tell you it's going to happen again uh, because I think I think you are great for the world to know more about, especially the way you view um, how you guys deal with, you know, your mental health and the importance of community, the values you have as a family, but also the positivity that you and your family, and I I keep bringing up your family because I think you're just such an integral part of that as an example for your family and being able to move forward in things and really take initiative and drive and, and show everyone else, you know, from the tiny little humans you've got to the giant other brothers that you've got that you know you can uh, really put yourself forward and it doesn't have to be a traditional way it doesn't have to be uh you know you can do something in the arts and you can be successful at it and it's just nothing you know it's been nothing but like a pleasure to have you as a friend and 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 start to become you know in the little inner, inner circle of all these southern these southerners i've never felt more welcome and um more supported and knowing that At any time, I bet you I could pick up the phone and call any single one of you and you would answer. And that, to me, is what it's all about and why I wanted to have you on. It's to show people that there's people like you out there that are really doing it and making the difference. Um, Thank you from the bottom of my heart and um, from everyone else listening. If there's anything that you did not understand in this podcast. Well, then I will tell you what you're going to have to go to Jake's site, learn a little bit more about him and um, understand why he is as cool as he is. And uh, we'll be posting plenty about you as well. And your incredible mugs, because I have never found a mug. I don't appreciate. And I don't know that, uh, I don't know that the, this world is ready for those mugs.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that.
0: So excited that. for the mugs. Okay. So thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. So just hang on here for a second. And everybody, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Brass and Unity podcast uh, with Jake Phillips. And uh, please check in next week. We'll have something new and fresh for you. See you later. So on this episode of this week's podcast, we are featuring the Pat Tillman Foundation as our resource of the week. They provide academic scholarships and professional development and a nationwide network to their veterans and uh, those that use their scholar community. Um, the Pat Tillman Foundation has been funding scholarships for years now and they do nothing but incredible work and have, I believe, over 500 plus scholars that have graduated their programs and transitioned into civilian life. Um, they are a great foundation and are supported by so many but could always be there for you if you need resources. So please do, if you are looking to educate yourself again and reintegrate into society, definitely Reach out to the pattillmanfoundation.org and they can uh, hopefully help you guys out with that. And we'll see you all next week.